fasting, true fasting and false fasting in the eyes of God, but it talks so much about helping the poor and the helpless. So this is really the passage of Scripture that they're founded on, and they, they mention it to every new team that comes in to serve. And so I, I know we're going through the book of Acts, but we'll come back to that next week, but it's just so appropriate to share this. So maybe you've never come across this, this chapter in Isaiah, but this is really the prophet Isaiah, of course, hearing from God, and these are God's words telling Isaiah, this is what you need to do right now, and preparation for deliverance because God in in chapters 58 59 60 like these three chapters here towards the end of Isaiah he's talking about hope right there's a there's hope coming but God is looking for children that have a heart of obedience and a heart after him and so he gives them these really important words so I'm going to read it fairly slowly, but just follow along on the screen or in your Bible. It's Isaiah 58, and as you read it or hear it, put it in context of what you just heard, okay? Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins, and this is God talking. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And this is then, this is now what he's saying, they're saying to him, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure, God says, and oppress all your own workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. And God continues to tell His people, Is such the fast that I choose A day for a person to humble himself, to bow down his head like a reed, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? And now he gives them the true fast that God's looking for. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, 
Then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And then the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and make your bones strong. And ye shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose water does not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and shall raise up the foundations of many generations." You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What awesome words. Maybe you've never read those before, but here is God speaking through his his prophet Isaiah. He tells him at the beginning, I want you to shout this as loud as you can like a trumpet to my people that I love so much. Tell them, I do recognize they're fasting, but they're going about it all wrong. And then he says, the kind of fasting that I want is not just this ritual. I want a relationship. And you need to take care of your own people first. And he says, then when he says in 6 and 7 and 8, and he talks about sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house. Doesn't it give us a unique perspective? I mean, God is all about that, right? About changing our perspective. I think part of what we heard in the testimonies today was how God took people out onto the streets of New York to just share some bread and soup and to share love, to just kind of be there for them. And it transformed us. We were there to help them, but God was working amazing things in us and a big part of what he did is he changes your perspective now some of you might work in the city or maybe you did and you know you would go through places like harlem or chelsea park or whatever and you would see homeless people and you know we've all kind of done that and we pass by people and that's why they have this unique ministry called don't walk by like to be intentional about it because we don't always do that But it's about remembering who we are and what God expects from us. It's about changing that perspective. And I think we all got a lot of perspective this week. And hopefully just a little of that that came across. You won't really get it until you go in to help. Whether it's in a ministry like this or another one, but an opportunity to go and help and to give of yourself. Because it really comes down to being a heart issue. And you know, what Paula was saying is so true is that it highlights something that they also mention a lot at a ministry like New York City Relief is soup and bread, you know, that serves an immediate need, right? And it's important. And people keep getting back in line and we give as much as they want. But that's not the reason that the relief bus is there. What it does is it attracts people. It draws people to this little safe zone, and it provides an immediate need, and they get a fresh pair of socks and a hygiene kit so they can just maybe brush their teeth for the first time all week. You know, things we take for granted. 
How about perspective? But then what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to build trust by going to the same place every day and every week, week after week. And because people aren't very trusting that live on the street, they're in survival mode, as we can imagine. But they go and, and they go and they serve and over and over again to build trust so that hopefully there'll be some people that say, yes, I want some real help, more than just soup and bread. And then they can connect them to anything like they need, like a, a detox center or rehab or shelter, whatever it is. But it's about changing that perspective because all we're really doing is bringing hope. Bringing a little bit of hope because we are supposed to be people of hope, aren't we? And so as Paula was sharing too, it goes beyond that soup and bread to there's hopefully a point where you can share. And like Andrew was saying too, just share about Jesus. Do you know about Jesus? Because we want to, hear, want to be here to help you, but do you know where you can find the true hope in this world? It's not going to be from a governmental services agency. It's not even going to be from just coming to the relief bus every week. The only true hope is found in Jesus Christ. And so it really gets to be a heart issue. And so that's what God is saying in this passage in Isaiah 58. Look at what He tells them. He's saying in the first part, He's like, yeah, the people, you're seeking Me, but you're doing it all wrong. You say that you want to be near Me, but look at what you're doing. And this is so telling. And in just a minute, I just, I'm going to close our time by just sharing something that God did in my heart. And He, he did it from hearing this. I've heard it many times. But then some, some people that I met on the street on, on uh, Wednesday. But look at what He says in verse 3. He's quoting what the people of Israel, His children, are saying to Him. So the people of Israel are turning to God and saying, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, but you don't take knowledge of it? Could you imagine saying that to God, but don't we kind of do that? You know, um, I love that show Seinfeld, and and there's this great scene. I feel like there's always a, a scene for everything in life. You're like, oh, there's a Seinfeld episode about that. But you know, like there's this one scene where, where George Costanza, he walks into this like pizza place and, and like he tries to give a tip to put in the tip jar, right? He wants to give a tip and when he puts it in, the guy turned away so he didn't notice that he put it in there. And he was really upset that the guy didn't notice he was giving a tip so when he went back the next time, he was waiting and waiting for the guy to look but just as he went to put it in, the guy turned away, he got so upset he went in to reach to take the tip out, and that's when he turned around and he says, you're stealing from the, you know, it's a very funny scene, but look at what he's doing. He's looking for the recognition. Hey, I'm giving you a tip, and you should thank me for that, right? God is saying that's what his children were doing. Hey, God, I'm fasting. Check me out, right? God, we're keeping your commandments we're humbling ourselves. Man, I'm the most humble person I know. Right? They're saying, we're humbling ourselves, but you're not even recognizing it. What good is it if we do these good things and God doesn't take notice? And that is the wrong perspective. Right? He says so much in this passage. There's no way to, to flesh it all out. But before I, I just end with sharing my story, in, in verse 10, 
He says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry. He doesn't say just go and give them a dollar. If that's all you have, of course you give. But he says, pour yourself out. Invest yourself. Whatever kind of ministry God puts on your heart, maybe it's not to the poor and homeless, right? Maybe it's another kind of ministry that you support that's near and dear to your heart. A charity or some some way, you know, a certain mission or missionary that you support that, that really tugs on your heartstrings. He's saying, do more than just give money if you possibly can. Like, invest yourself in it. I think you maybe even notice, you know, we went on the trip and we're tired. And Rashawn said, you know, he's tired. It's like a good tired, but I think we spent ourselves. We poured ourselves out as best we could for the sake of the poor and the hungry. And that's what God expects from us. And then he says, this is the kind of fast that I want from you, to do these things to help others. You know what a fast is? Maybe some of you have fasted before. Maybe you did like a partial fast, a juice fast. You, you know, It doesn't count if you just fast from candy. I don't know. I don't think that counts. But, you know, I'll leave that between you and God. <laughs> but, you know, you, maybe some of you fasted where you maybe you just had water for a few days, you know. But maybe we've all done something like that. But this is a very important passage. And, and somewhere down the road, we're going to get into those spiritual disciplines. And we'll talk about fasting and what that looks like. And wouldn't it be great if we could do that together as a church and commit to fast you know, in a certain way. But here, this whole passage is talking about this is how you think you're fasting, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And this is the kind of fast I want. And he doesn't even talk about giving up food, but he says giving of yourself to people that are in need. Because when you fast, what happens is not only it changes your perspective, but it's an interruption in your life, right? It interrupts your normal routine. Don't we eat sort of normally? Like you probably ate breakfast, you were definitely going to eat in a few minutes together. You're going to eat later. It's like a part of our normal daily routine. We eat together. And fasting is saying, I'm going to kind of give an interruption here. Let's just kind of put a parenthesis around this. And we're going to interrupt this time. I'm going to do something different. It's a time to be set aside. Because what happens when you fast and you're hungry and you're hungry if you're doing it for the right reasons? then what's happening is the Spirit within you is, is guiding your thoughts towards God. And not the complaining and the grumbling or even the false humility. God, I'm fasting. I'm fasting, God. Watch, make sure you watch me now, right? It's about bringing our thoughts to God so we're more obedient. God is looking for obedient children. And so what happened was, I shared this with the team, that, you know, on Wednesday we went out and we went to a place called Chelsea Park. And talk about perspective. It's a real unique place. It's such a dichotomy because there's very wealthy people. Chelsea Park is a wealthy area to live in in New York. There's people walking by. They're like, they're in the fashion industry. They're well-dressed. They look good. And you can tell they got a lot of money. And they're just kind of walking by, kind of seeing what's going on here, walking down the sidewalk, you know, or crossing the street to get around us. But then we got the people that you heard about, and they're coming to the bus. They have nothing. One guy, even yesterday in Harlem, he came looking for socks, and he didn't even have any shoes on. I saw him walking over just barefoot. You know, on the ice and the snow. It's Right? But everybody's got a different story, different condition, but talk about perspective. And so we're there, and there is a large Asian population 
um, there in Chelsea Park. And there's a group of uh, older Asian women, most of them from China, and they come to the bus every Wednesday and Friday in Chelsea Park, and they line up to get the socks and hygiene kits, and they don't speak any English. So they don't want prayer. They probably don't even know what it is we're asking for, but they say no, and, and they leave. But there's something about them, and it's probably, again, because they've had to survive and do their thing, but what they're always doing is they're trying to kind of beat the system and get in line and bring friends in line to cut in line to get more than you get one sock. They're trying to take two, and sometimes on the way out of the bus they try to sneak one. And I saw this happening, kind of standing there watching what was going on, and my first thought was, my heart was judgmental, because my first thought was, hey, we're here trying to help them out, and they're just trying to get a little bit extra, and they're just trying to get in line sooner, get their friends in line, other people are complaining, man, and I feel like, what's their problem? You know, we're here trying to help them. I really had to check myself, because here I was judging them. I mean, who am I to judge them, you know? I mean, they're just like, it's survival, you know? And they're doing what they can because you know what? They're not used to people helping them. We can say over and over, we got plenty on the bus, just wait your turn. They're not going to believe that from somebody like me. Who am I? Because every day they're fighting for, I mean, we get them for maybe a couple of hours, you know, during the week. The rest of the week, they gotta, they got to fight for whatever they can get. So I caught myself being judgmental. That's exactly what God does not want. He does not want that kind of heart, judging those people. Who am I? I'm not better than them. And so God reminded me, you know, in this passage in Isaiah 58, that's exactly what God is telling his people of Israel. Because when he says in verse 7, can you put verse 7 back up for me? This is the last verse that you'll put up, but This is what really got to me. And he's talking about the true kind of fast. Is it not, this is what God wants, to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house, more than just giving them something on the street. He's saying bring them into your house. That means like invest in them. When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. You know why he says that? Because he's telling his children... He's saying, look, and this is what hit me. It's not, and listen, he says, it's not too long ago you were all slaves in Egypt. Do you remember that? And now you're passing judgment on your brothers and sisters. Who are you? You're better than them? You were all slaves down in the, in the, in the mud pits building bricks for the Pharaoh. And now all of a sudden, you're developing a class system and you're walking right by the poor and the homeless. That's your brother and sister. He says, that's your own flesh. We know as the church, we're supposed to look out for one another. We know in the New Testament when it says to take care of the poor and the hungry and the homeless and the widow and the orphan, he means us first. Take care of the people around you. This is your flesh and blood, as it, as, you know, so to speak. This is your family. And then go out and take that hope and that spirit of helpfulness and go out beyond these four walls. So God really got my attention in that way. To stop being judgmental. Because as Brother Rick said, right, so eloquently, like, that could be us. Three days ago, this guy's got 80 grand in a bank account. And now he wants to steal something just to get a shower. You know? 
How many degrees of separation is there between us and like that could be, right? And so God is telling his, his people, like, don't judge your brothers and sisters. You were right alongside of them being a slave. So take care of them. Don't just give them a piece of bread. Invite them into your home because they're your flesh and blood. So God calls us to do that. And you know, when we're we're called to do that, to serve that need, our prayer also should be that we would then see God work miracles in the spiritual sense in people's lives and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? Because doesn't Jesus just say that? Remember when he fed the 5,000? You know what happened the next day? That's when he said, I'm the bread of life. Because he had all these people following him and he basically said to them in John chapter 6, he says, you're just looking, you don't even want the sign, you just like the free food. But he said, I'm the bread of life. So he didn't just feed them to feed them and satisfy them, he fed them to bring them closer so he could then tell them, you want to eat every day like this? You want to feast every day? I'm the bread of life. You look to me, you'll never hunger or thirst again. Right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a time together in your word. Thank you for powerful testimonies the way you're changing people's lives. God, would you help us to just take something from this morning's time in your word, something away from this this morning so that we can also be changed. God, do your thing in us. We just need to be humble before you, but a true humility We need your strength to even do that. God, when we come before you in worship, we come before you in service as we learn and as we grow and as we serve together. We always want it to be genuine and real and authentic. Because God, we know we can't get one by on you. Because we know, God, that you truly want us to want to serve and to love you and your people. That is how we will be known in this world as your children because of our love for one another. So God, bless us the rest of our time together. Help us to remember that always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.